Hey friends, this is Allison Steele, and you're listening to Unravel with Allison, a show where I take a concept that's got me in knots, and we unravel it together. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Today we are talking about wands. Wands like in the tarot deck is what inspired me for this, so that's where we're going. Straight to the tarot deck, right or wait, get on board. So (laughs) what got me started with this in particular, um, I've been kind of going through it lately and I am having a really hard time deciding what to do next because I keep readjusting what next means. As in, it's not the actual next thing I have to do, but the next goal that I have to accomplish, the far out stuff that needs addressed. And to just sit and wait for opportunities to come is not realistic. To opt into opportunities that I'm not interested in is also unrealistic. So then what do I do? I can't sit and wait and watch my life to go by. I have to participate. That's kind of how I ended up in school. And I have been reaching out to people that I am interested in talking to, interested in working with, interested in playing with. And I've been getting opportunities to do more of that, which is awesome. And I love being a part of it. But then there are those other things like not making money and not supporting my family when I'm used to doing that. When I got my W-2 this year, I had just looked at the number. I made $16,000 and change this year. And I just gulped. I'm like, I am used to that six being on the other side. I'm used to making at least $60,000 a year. It's better this way. I'm better this way. Not forever, but for right now, it's better this way. And I know it because I feel it. And what I'm learning and what I'm doing is leading me towards better opportunities. And I am so anxious for them to arrive. It is very hard to continue on and putting the work in when I'm not financially benefiting from it, even though I'm not doing it for the financial benefit. The relationships that I'm creating, the people that I'm participating with, the life that I'm living now is eons beyond what I ever expected. And I'm working with exactly what's right in front of me and doing my next right thing and my life feels better. But being realistic about those long-term goals, what I want to provide for my family and what I want to offer my lifestyle, it is not cohesive with my current behavior. And I can acknowledge that and know it and still not exactly do anything directly about it. And it is hard because I know the bootstrap work. I know how to make money and I'm really good at it. And I hate myself when I do it the way I know how to do it well. So I'm playing with fire here. That's why I felt so deeply connected to the wands. But what sparked my interest today, particularly, a couple people near me have just had um, people pass away in their lives. And that didn't involve me, but it felt heavy on my heart sharing that space with them. I brought all those feelings to my heart and grabbed my tarot deck. And I was like, hmm, maybe I will grab some insight real quick and share it maybe with the friend. And um, I don't know, I I wasn't doing it for me. I did it with them in mind. And the card that I pulled was the Three of Wands. That is a boring card. It was not uplifting. It was not insightful. It wasn't something that I was going to pass on because it's waiting. There are next things, but this right now thing, you're in a contemplation period. You're not supposed to do anything right now. And that's when I realized the card was for me because honestly, whenever somebody passes away, there's no right words. There's nothing right to be said. I just reached out like, hey, think about you. That's it. That's all I can offer because that's all I can do. I like to try to be there for people, but I want to be there for me. 
But I know when I'm in those situations, in those grief moments, there is nothing you can say. I've never been alone in those moments. I've always had somebody to physically cling to. And that's not my place with these people. I have to wait. But I was inspired by the wands. I was wandering. And of course, as soon as I start getting wonky with words, I have to unravel it because I hear too much. And with wands, I thought wanding, wanting, wanting, they have a lot to do with what you want and that they're haunting because what you want can haunt you. Wandering, curiosity, and the wand itself, elemental assistance. So I laid all the wands out. I pulled all the wands out of the deck, laid them all out, and I read the story. Those looming energies that go with the wands, those are going to be your ace, king, queen, knight, and page. So we're going to go over we're going to go over wands first because wands themselves are like a primal energy. They're inspiration, ambition, expansion. The wands depicted in the Rider Waite tarot deck are like branches. They're they're sticks. They're like Long, skinny sticks, and they have sprouts. So they've been cultivated to an extent. And throughout each picture, like, those sprouts are still there. They've never, um, they're not, like, demolished in combat. They never actually catch on fire, even though they are wood. They are almost presented as a prop. But the possibility of that fire, the temperament, the energetic possibility for creation like cooking your food, the energetic possibility for demolition and destruction, like a house fire. And what puts out a fire? Water. So for me, the wands are wandering like, what else is there? What else can I do with this? It's the what else. And the waters are what <laughs> put out the fire. And even though we think water like wet, wet water, um, this is more like what people who or aspects of yourself that are questioning what, 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 what else, what else, what else. All of those, what am I doing this for? Why are they saying this? Why are they doing that? Why did I do that when I know better? <laughs> Why do I continue these behaviors? Why can't I fix this? Why can't I fix that? All the whys you ask yourself make you wise, give you wisdom. All the what's what do they do? They dampen the energetic possibility of creation and inspiration and ambition and expansion. All of the wanders are dampened by the waters. So what this feels like for myself, <laughs> um, I actually, I do use water because I'm, I cry. I cry all the time. And whenever I'm crying, that's a notion to myself that I am hurting somewhere. So whether I'm like angry crying or tired crying or hungry crying or whatever, I'm never just crying. There's always something in there. Even if I don't know what it is, I don't just like, oh, here are tears now. There's a hurt somewhere that needs released. Or there is a fire somewhere that needs depressed <laughs> and it feels depressing. So what I've noticed with my tears, 
is that my crying facial tears when I'm sad, they come on when one of my tears are at risk. So one of my favorite things to say is like, best friend isn't a person, it's a tear. I got that from the Mindy Project, thanks. And I buy into it because there are people that I consider my best friend that I haven't talked to in forever and I care. And I don't know how to maintain that relationship. But when we get together again, it's as if we never separated. There's a safety in our friendship that exists eternally. And I have that best friendship with a lot of really good people that might just consider me an acquaintance these days, but I don't care. Even if I'm not your best friend, you are still mine. Even if your ideas and personality and everything has changed over the years that we haven't spoken to each other, I honor so much what we had before that I don't care and I'm still going to treat you as the same type of way that I would have treated that person that I knew back then who I respected. Because I imagine within your development over the years, you've just gotten cooler. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. I'm always going to meet you with where I left you. That's a lie. I never remember my last interactions. I remember the essence of our experience together, and that's what I'm going to pull from. Not our last time together, but the accumulation of our time spent together is what I will bring to the table the next time I meet you. Best friends in a tier structure are like that for me. So if something happens to one of my favorites, tears will fall down my face. Same thing goes with anything else that I have a tear for that I appreciate and feel threatened. I'm going to cry about it. And part of living a really cool, good, awesome, fun life is caring about so many little things that really don't matter to most people. Finding beauty in little ways or even just like, I will laugh out loud at something that I thought of that reminded me of something else. And it comes off kind of awkward when I'm in a room with people who don't get the joke. And even when I explain it, aren't gonna get the joke because it's not funny to you. It's not supposed to be, but it's hilarious to me. It makes human interaction weird, but I'm having a good time up here. <laughs> so when <laughs> so when I'm wandering off in my own little world in my head, like I'm still very down to earth and active with everybody else, but there's a creativity that I don't get to express. And there's a whole entire world inside my head that I don't get to share. There's a lot of favorites that are at my fingertips. And that's where we're going to get into. We're going to get into the cards. So the king. The king is the authority figure of the wands. Like this is the energy that says what's what, where your values and your behavior aligns. Like this is the authority energy. So in the image, the king is like in a throne and has, has like this cape on, but it's put back and you can see his arms cocked. He's got a little fist. Like he's minding his behavior, but he is like anticipating an interjection. Like he's ready to pop in. He's ready to participate and defend what he is there for. It's sacred because he insists that it is and he's willing to fight for it. There's a confidence in fending off the waters, but he's not relaxed. He's not at ease. He's not like poised. He is, I don't even say like predatory because it doesn't look like he's about to leap, but he will if he has to. It actually looks like he'd rather not, but he's willing to. Now the queen, this is the energy of how your beliefs are going to influence this energy. And to me, this is like distributing the sacred. She's comfortable. She's draped in all yellow. Like she is very comfortable where she's at. She's holding a sunflower in one hand and a wand in the other. And there's sunflowers depicted on the chair that, on the throne that she's sitting in. 
So it's like in real life and an image altogether surrounding her. Like she has these idols outsourcing her. She's surrounding herself in what she knows and grows because that sunflower didn't come from nowhere. Like that was grown and now it is held. So she's practicing the what else and doing both and then having done both surrounded by the manifestation of it all. She's sacred by creation, not by insistence. She's deciding what's sacred and choosing for herself. Now the night represents motion, flames, danger. The night represents motion. So he is on a horse, on the run, like flames coming off the horse, flames coming off his uniform. He's got a wand in hand and he, is, he looks like he's trying to get it, testing out his capacities and capabilities. Like, can I do that? I can probably do that. Let me try to do that. So that is kind of this motion here. It's just testing your relationship with this element, acknowledging the temperament with the fire of the movement of the horse, with the potential for disaster, but to acknowledge that impermanence, to know this might all go away in a moment and to master your craft despite it, to craft your discernment. You decide what is right and safe for you because it's not going to work for everybody else. But you won't know what you do until you go and find out. And the page is like the messenger. This delivers what else questioning. So the page is standing there with a wand. But in the back, you'll notice three pyramids. And they're not too far off in the back. Like they are near. And when I sit and think about pyramids, I am thinking about being amid your peers. That's probably where people flock to is that area. That is where you are going to be amid your peers. So the page is delivered away from the pyramids. So to me, this is like questioning inclusion among the peers, distancing yourself from peers, encouraging you to consider that dichotomy with your social groups. What else? Back to the night with the flaming horse, the whole thing, there are pyramids in that image as well. And they are even further than with the image with the page. And by the time you get to the queen card, the three pyramids are still in the background, but they lose definition. Like they are like three triangles. They don't look like anything. They don't have details. They lost their definition. They are three yellow triangles. So this isn't saying to distance yourself necessarily from your peer group, but I think that it is, you know, the energy of the wands is to question your creativity and what aspects that are self-sourced that maybe you can offer the group. But either way, it's a look inward at yourself and your relationships to your temperament and your creativity. So the ace card, gray background, the aces are the alphas. Like they are, they're number one. They're the introduction. Aces in a deck of cards normally are also an 11. So it is the beginning and the end. It is the initiation. It's both, but right now you just get one. So we start with the ace, your primary element. A hand from the clouds offers you a wand. On this gray backdrop, you see the, the wand, you see the sprouts, you see possibility. So the next card, number two, carries that same gray color. And there's a wand on either side. There's a man facing outward. So you see his backside and he has one hand on a wand. And in the other hand is a globe. He has the world at his fingertips. And he's looking out beyond as well. Like he is on a balcony where he can see land beyond where he's standing. The entire world at your fingertips. But between those two wands, it signifies that it will be delivered within your framework. And here is where you are planted. Here's what else is available. So we go to card number three, yellow. Changes have been made. This is a reflection period. You're seeking direction. 
You've already been somewhere, decided here. Now you're here overlooking. Like when I say everything is yellow, there is an entire body of water with ships on them that are catching the glare from the sun and turning the waters yellow to where I didn't recognize them as waters. Everything is yellow. Everything is possible. And this light surrounds everything that you can see. There are sailboats in the waters. Things are happening around you. This is like, probably the reason I didn't like this card is because it suggests waiting, but also it has that feeling of like looking out your window in the morning when you're groggy and somebody's jogging. What else? Like, it makes you wander. There are changes to be made. There are other things to look at and there are other things to try. And that launches you into card number four, which is also just as brightly yellow. And the wands in this card are again framework. Two on either side, there's a garland of flowers that run across the top. And within the framework, you see two people with bouquets thrown up in the air. This is celebratory. And there's like intentional direction, intentional staging. Things were put up this way for a reason. It isn't happenstance. They are, there is an event happening, a platform for celebration. There's a castle in the distance, like nearby. Like, you know, this is a thing. This is an event. It's not a performance, but it is the platform for celebration. It is the celebratory aspect. This is at the wedding. This is taking part in the celebration. So like the thing has been created. We have tried new things and we are having a good time. This is the worthwhile part. This is the stuff you want to get out of it. This is ceremonial, intentional, welcomed, enjoyed, celebrated, fun, exciting. And then instantly we go to the fifth card, blue. From now, throughout the rest of the deck, the backdrop is blue. Clear skies running now till the end. Now what happens to the wands here? It's like it goes in a completely different direction. You see five men all circled, all huddled around each other, holding wands up in the air at different angles. And it looks like potentially combative, definitely like awkward and wonky though, like not stable. And if we look from ceremony to now, it looks like dismantling. This takes me to when like, to when I worked at an outdoor amphitheater and we had concerts that would come through all summer. So, so I was in charge of food for one area and that's what I did. But when there was other things to be done or I needed assistance or backup product or whatever, you would call in a runner and the runners would like take their little golf cart around and just do all of the gopher work. I need this. They would give me that. And they kind of just bounced around all show. But at the end, they also dismantled. So what might have been a beautiful, mind-blowing concert experience for someone is like just another day at work for these kids. These They're like 18 years old and goofing off and having a blast. Like, But then they're also at work. But depending on your perspective, it's like blasphemous how much fun they're having. It's the rediscovered element. It's the physical application. And it's the folly among the group. Because what is sacred to one is not sacred to another. Does that matter? It does to me when I'm working on a project and a kid comes and takes my yarn and throws it across the room. That yarn is sacred to me and I care about the project I'm working on and I'm furious typically. 
I try really hard to make things not sacred, to have a go with the flow mindset or when shit does hit the fan to just like, okay, it is what it is. Things are just things. But sometimes I am so angry. Sometimes I am so heartbroken that I don't even want to try anymore. Like I will convince myself that I hate caring about things. And it's not true. I love caring about things, but that's the part. (laughs) That's the part that's hard here is that to put everything on such a high level, to put it on that top favorite tier when it is threatened, not from others, but from my waters. Like I get that initiation. My tears will flow when my tears of favoritism and preference are threatened. So I've gotten very comfortable with my life not having preferences because I cry less, but I can do more. But then I don't get to develop my creativity and I only get to develop my thoughts with myself. And then I'm struck with these moments that I share thoughts with people that are beyond what they're willing to take in. And it kind of breaks my heart. In class recently, I brought up how there are people living right now on this planet, grown adults fully normal, otherwise human beings that do not eat food. They live on water and sunlight. And it's not recommended, obviously. And it is a total anomaly. But it exists within our plane whether or not you want to believe it's real. And I didn't present it that way. I presented it in a way that said, this this does exist within our field. There are people that have this ability, and I think that science should be focusing on that side, that we should focus our efforts toward the anomalies that would be more beneficial than maintaining the structures that we have in place. So like world hunger maybe won't be an issue in 20 years if we can figure out the secret to living without food. And all of that wasted money, production, water, resources, human energy that goes into maintaining these energetic resources. Like, what a waste of energy we have made over the years if we don't actually need this. To consider that humans don't need food has to be stupid. We have, we know about starvation. We've been told all of our lives about the starving kids in Africa. There's no way that we can sit here and face the general public saying that maybe there's a way that we don't have to eat and it can be okay because we've had malnutrition shoved down our throats. Rightfully so, because why would you not share that information if you have it? Once you learn about what we are, we want to share it. We want others to know, especially when it's out here saving lives. I understand how it sounds stupid to say, to even question that that existence is a possibility, but it currently exists on our planet and to deny it I'm not capable of doing that. And to pass it off as anomaly, I'm not able to do that either. Like, why are we not studying the placebo effect? People can heal themselves, and we've seen it happen. We don't study these things because we don't actually value the notion that your intention might have something to do with the outcome. And quite frankly, I think it has everything to do with the outcome. Not just your intention, but the intention of those around you. It makes a difference. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not true. But if you don't set intentions, you'll never get to test it and try it. These kids are goofing off with the wands. Whatever they're doing with them, this is the first time these wands are not a prop. It's like they're a tool right now or a toy. So we move to card number six, again blue. And now the wand is back to prop mode. A man riding a horse, 
He has a head wreath on. He's holding the wand up in the air as he goes through a crowd. And there is also a wreath on the wand that he's carrying. And it's held upright. And the crowd beyond, you can see their wands are upright as well. So funneling back into the ceremonial aspect, this feels, you know, everybody raise your glasses. Okay, all hands in, chant. We're all doing something together on purpose, with intention. We all know what's going to happen. But then I also see it's not only just this participation, but it feels like accountability also, like a sound off. Peace be with you, and also with you. It's a give and a take. There's an expectation tied to it. Maybe this isn't the one that they're celebrating or that they're surrounding, but he's actually the line leader taking them out of this joint. Whether or not they're willing participants, I'm not sure, because if they were the boys playing around the previous card, they might just be following suit. But you can tell that there's a pool to form. They want the formality of the wands to stay intact. To the man on the horse, this is success. This is motivation. This is continuity. This is onward and upward. Togetherness with that, because it is among a group, but there's still separation of above and before the group. Whether that's a mindful, intentional aspect, I feel like that is a call to notice what your wreaths are. What are you hanging on your door? What are you saying about yourself? What are you putting out there? What do you have on showcase that can be like a beacon to bring in like? That is how you call success in. I like to see it like that rather than like a line leader of like, follow me here. But more like, this is where I'm going and you're welcome to join me. Who's with me? That's the vibe I kind of catch from this one more than like the punk schoolboys. But it is an offering of who's with me because I am successful and I am going to go continue this. Which is sad because the next card is just the wands and the man. And the wands seem to be in the ground or left behind. He's the only one with them. And he isn't happy. <laughs> Honestly, the first words that came to mind with this was fragile masculinity. The masculine aspect is that that king, the authority figure, like you kind of expect the masculine to be the heated aspect here. But the fragility doesn't come into like that masculine fragility type thing. It's more about like the durability of the aspect of the wand itself. It's like littering gold to this dude right now. Like something that is important and sacred to him that you just left out overnight to get rained on. Like that is the anger that I feel in the summertime when we're outside playing all day. And then like we forget to put the toys away back into the garage and everything gets rained on. That is like, can we literally, like this is why we can't have nice things. That's the title of this card. This is why we can't have nice things. It takes into consideration the fragility and the durability. It delivers frustration and disgust and disheveledness is what happens when things are unguarded and unaccounted for. So then the next card is pretty wonky. The eight. Again, the backdrop is blue. The grass is green. And here are eight wands coming in from the left at a downward diagonal direction. This is a call to question perspective because they're not in the ground. They're not, you saw the five guys being all wonky with them. Like, you know that they're not easy to control. So to have them all come in at that direct angle to be present in your field, you have to question perspective because you can't see the other end. Whatever you think is happening on the other side is potentially absurd or doesn't make sense, but you have to question that perspective 
because it doesn't present itself in that way normally. Like it can't just be sideways in the air. Something else has to be happening. Again, whether it's somebody holding it or a prop, whatever. It could be leaning against, no, it couldn't even be leaning against something because the bottom portion isn't at the ground. It could be a snapshot of a mid-drop. It could be constant falling action. But the important thing to also note here is the alignment and the order of the structure. Actually, again, there is no structure. There is alignment and order with no structure. It is angled and intentional. It is figured with purpose. It is sacred in that you just have to love what you're seeing because you're seeing it. If you want to figure it out, what else? You can consider the perspective. But you can look at it and get inspired by it and saying, what else can we do with this? It's like art. It's like the movie trope when they're in a art gallery. And somebody goes, oh, I could do that. But are you? Are you doing it? Could you actually do it? And if you could do it and it was that easy, why aren't you? It brings you no purpose. Like until you actually sit down and do the thing, you don't understand how not easy it is. But then again, how also easy it is. But it's sacred in its own right because it exists right there in front of your face, just as confusing as ever, still within your field, and it's still up for consideration. Maybe you wonder if you can do that yourself, or you wonder how they got it like that, and you want to find who put it like that. Or you just think it's a drop, and you think, oh gosh, it's happening right now. Like when you play pickup sticks, and you got them all in your hand, and you just, you got to play where they land. So maybe it's the anticipation of the landing. Either way... Something is initiated within you, sparks within you of how did that happen? What else is there? Or this is so cool. Can I make something like that? What else? Quick developments, like engulfed by inspiration. We get a little grumpy in the nines. The nines are like boundaries. So there's a platform. He stands on the platform with a wand in his hand, like he's on guard, standing his ground because behind him are the rest of the wands standing up, posted into the ground. So it's like there's a physical wall boundary there made up by these wands. And the man has a head wound that is wrapped. And I can't help but just see it as insisting upon your boundaries. And I would use it as a platform to question your boundaries rather than insist on them. It's like he feels he needs to protect those boundaries and to insist on them and to keep them upright and ordered out of fear, that bandage is on his head for a reason. He is in need of safety and protection. And with those wands being the sacred ceremonial piece, his safety prop, he sets up a boundary of safety and guards it and protects it. And he's suspicious and anticipating it being taken from him. He's guarding it with his life and nobody is coming to take it. But he is still standing there and on guard, and he is the only one there. Nobody is coming for it. It's this defensiveness. It's offense. <laughs> it's defensiveness without the need for it and persistence. Until you do something else, you're going to be standing there. And there was a moment when you were between that number two card, when you were between the framework of those two wands with the world at your fingertips, and you couldn't wait to do anything else. So why are you surrounding yourself in the same? You have more, but it's still the same. And the 10 is a different man carrying away the bundle of sticks. His back is turned and you see him kind of walking toward the city. And whether there was some big upheaval 
some big breakdown, that fight really did happen, whatever, for whatever reason this man has the bundle of wands, it's out of your hands, literally. It's in his now. He's taking this from you. Or he's supporting you and removing this from you. However it was removed, maybe you did have to fight for your life, or maybe you asked for support, or maybe you just donated it. Either way, when it comes to your creativity and your fire aspects, those can't stay in your system. They're not meant to be maintained. Boundaries, sure, I get it. I'm not saying like, don't protect yourself, but remember what you can create too. Don't get stuck in that protection zone because you can make anything. You can start anything and you're probably not going to be good at it and that's okay too. I was only brave enough to start painting because my kids were painting and it didn't matter. But if I were going to sit down and try to paint something, no way. I have such a good idea for painting, guys. I really want to paint a picture of Al Gore playing the drums. I have been thinking about this for weeks and I really want to do it. I really don't want to do it. I don't want to paint people. I don't want to paint things. I like doing blobs and making messes. And I'm really not inspired enough by myself to make this thing. But I think it'd be really funny to name it Algorithm. And that's why I want to paint it. And maybe one day I will. <laughs> but this is maybe just me putting it out into the universe if anybody wants to do that. So even though I started with the wands because I pulled that three of wands today, that what else question comes in my heart typically from a state of lack. But when you start wanting, you start wandering, these are the energies attracted within that journey of curiosity and creativity, and inspiration, and expansion. There is resistance. There is trial and error. You learn new things and you do them better. Or you learn new things and you stick to your preferred method. But you get to understand other people better along the way. You get to try out other options along the way. You can say, I've done this. I've tried that. You're more relatable. And not in a way that like people will accept you, but that you will be able to accept way more people the more that you choose to experience yourself. You open up your network with every single move you make, with everything you do that is different. You are creating new stories to share with others. You are creating new platforms that you don't have to, like that's not the hill you have to die on. It's just some place you get to stand for a while. And there is nothing wrong with going through phases. And even if you don't see it as a phase, it's okay to say, this is just what I'm doing right now. And it does not have to make sense to anybody else. You don't need to worry about the other waters. They can want all they want. But for you to maintain your waters, you're the one that has to navigate your waters. And to acknowledge the what, that releases the floodgates. So yeah, there are some boundaries that I keep up. There are some conversations that I do not participate in. But it's only when my authority is questioned. I can talk about anything on the planet, typically, but myself to other people. Because I have gone a lifetime of devastation in noticing. I never seem to appreciate what people notice about me. I'm starting to because I'm doing better things and I'm getting called out for cooler stuff. But to connect with this wand energy, there's encouragement to influence your reality with your authority. To insist on your authority and to display it in your values. You display your values through your behavior. You influence your environment because your beliefs are your truth. And when you bring that to a new situation, you influence your environment. But you influence your beliefs by participating with other environments. You have to keep communicating. You have to keep doing. You have to keep trying. You have to keep being. We all have the energy of the wands available to us. We can stand guard. We can take action. You can do a whole lot of things. But doing nothing is detrimental. 
I'll just say, if there's an element to explore, take some time to explore it. Go out and do something different. Make something cool. Follow something you're inspired by. Who cares if it's embarrassing? Go do something ambitious. What else yourself? Don't let the waters come through, but really take a look at what else for yourself can benefit you and try it out. Do something else. Thanks for listening to another episode of Unravel with Allison. If you have any feedback, questions, want to chit chat or stay up to date on new releases, follow me on Instagram at Allison K. Steele. Let's keep in touch. Again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next episode.